Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Welcome to the Qalam Podcast. You're listening to the series on the sufficient answer, the cures for spiritual sicknesses delivered by Sheikh Mikael Smith. In this series, Sheikh Mikael will be covering a beautiful book authored by Ibn Qayyim rahimahullahu ta'ala titled Al-Jawab Al-Kafi in which he not only addresses the very common yet extremely difficult issues of spirituality, but he also addresses the philosophical crises that people suffer through. Sheikh Mikail will lead us through this book and bring forth very beautiful and beneficial discussions. So listen in, share with family and friends, and if you are benefiting from Qalam and everything that we provide here at the podcast and beyond, then please be a part of this solution, be a part of this project of educating all of humanity by going to supportqalam.com, support Qalam yourself, and also share the link with family and friends. And now on to the lesson. Allahumma inna nas'aluka hubbak wa hubba man yuhibbak wa hubba amalin yukarribuna ila hubbik ya rabbil alameen Allahumma inna na'udhu bika min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyati a'malina Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim um, So we're continuing with class number 6 of Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziya rahimahullah ta'ala's Jawab al-Kafi and as a brief you know, introduction to the book that we're studying uh, Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziya rahimahullah was asked a question and the question was, what do you say to a person who has been stuck in some type of sin? And the person knows that that sin is destructive in its nature. The sin will destroy their soul, their heart. It will destroy them completely in this world and the hereafter. The person knows that already, yet as they try harder and harder and harder to get out of that sin, they find themselves going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into that actual sin. So Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziya, he was asked this question, and as a result of that, alhamdulillah, we have this entire book in which Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziya is explaining the effects of sins. And one of the things that he said is necessary for us to understand, there's two things that we have to understand. Those primary two things is, are this. Number one, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created this realm that we live in now as a realm of sabab and musabab, cause and effect. That the actions we do have a direct correlated effect on who we are and how we are. And he said that the means for bringing khair or good to your life is the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and getting close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the means by which a person brings shab or evil into their lives is through the ma'asi, the sins and the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, last week, we had an amazing class last week, alhamdulillah. I benefited so much because in chapter 13, Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi began to explain the effects, the specific effects of certain sins. So what are some of those effects that we went over last week for those who were here? Just a few of them. Deprived of knowledge. He said that knowledge is a, is a light that Allah places in the heart. It's a nur. And the person who has uh, become attached to certain sins will be deprived of that light, that nur. 
And of course, that knowledge we're talking about is not a book smart, but a knowledge about your purpose and your who you are, right? What was the second uh, uh, effect of sins? Second one? I guess you're the only one, brother. Yeah, oh, yes? Deprived of risk. Meaning there are some hadith that tell us that as a person is a mahroom, deprived of some of their provisions because of sins that they have done. Exactly. Next one. Ah, wahsha. Between what? Yes. So he said what happens as a result of sin, and this is a powerful one. He says what happens as a result of sin is there creates this wahsha or estrangement or unfamiliarity between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like you feel disconnected from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what I mentioned last week is only after you've ever felt that connected feeling once or twice will you ever really, really, truly uh, hate the feeling of wahsha. Once you've felt that connection even one time, there's nothing more beautiful than to have that feeling and a person misses that feeling. So he says one of the effects of sins, and I'm sure we can all attest to this, one of the effects of sins is the person begins to feel this um, uncomfortable being around Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's all the time. Next one. Yes, he said the sins create this wahsha, same type of strangeness between you and other people. You know, you don't feel connected. And he said even the people you love most, you'll feel disconnected from them because of the sin that you're involved in. Next one. Difficulties, subhanAllah. You try to do something, this is not working. This is not working. Door after door is being closed, closed, closed. And we explain, not all difficulties mean a punishment from Allah, right? We explain that. And what's the sign? How do you know if a difficulty is a test to raise your level or a difficulty is a punishment because of sins? You come closer to Allah, you want to pray more or... Want to distance yourself from the salah, distance yourself. From yes. The if that hardship pushes you away from Allah, then you should understand that that hardship was a punishment. But if that hardship is a result of that, you actually start to get closer to Allah. And that's why Ibn Atal Askandari he says some sins even now. Now this is this is a tough one. Some sins even have the ability to bring you close to Allah, and some good deeds even have the ability to push you away from Allah. Because of the effect of that. You do a certain good deed, you start to feel very proud. Like, yeah, I'm the man. Yo, Fajr, yo. <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, yo, you didn't pray today? It's all for your love. <laughs> like, bro, you just prayed. But yo, it's your first Fajr, dude. <laughs> like, why are you all, what happened? You know? So, some sin, the good deed, the result is arrogance. And that's the worst effect. The worst effect. All right, what is the next one? A darkness, a physical darkness, he talks about, that starts in the heart, but then actually starts to come out onto the face and on the body. And you can see the effect of that, right? You can see the effect physical. He's not talking metaphysical or uh, spiritual. He's saying a physical effect of that sin, regardless of how much makeup or whatever they put on, right? You still see it, okay? Or uh, what is it? The, what does the camera do? Filters. Filters, right? Yeah. What's the next one? Weakness, weakness in the body, weakness in the in the in the in the heart, uh, and then he said, uh, "Next one." That's all we did. All right. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Chapter fourteen. Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi now continuing to teach us the effect of certain sins on us, continuing to explain that he says, "Wa minha 
أن المعاصي تزرع أمثالها ويولد بعضها بعضا حتى يعز على العبد مفارقتها وخروج منها He says the next effect of sins is that ma'asi tezra'u amthalaha. Ma'asi sow the seed for the like of them. Sins breed other sins. They tezra' means to actually plant the seed. So Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, he says one seed, one sin plants the seed. When that sin is done, plants the seed for the next sin. And he says, He says, in one sin gives birth to the next sin. Until it becomes so hard for a person to get away from sin, and to get out of it. He says, some of the scholars used to say, Subhanallah. He says some of the scholars used to say that indeed the punishment for one sin is the sin that follows it necessarily. And the reward for a good deed is the good deed that follows it necessarily. That's heavy. That's heavy. He's explaining that, subhanallah, intrinsically that one sin the punishment of that is that it brings one more with it right after. Like they say in Arabic, Al-Kidr Yajurul Kidr. Right? Al-Kidr Yajurul Kidr. You know what I'm saying? One lie pulls, Yajur, pulls the next one. Now listen to the psychology of sin. If I was to title this, this, this halaka, it would be the, the, the psychology of ma'asiyah. Because listen to what he says. He says, إِذَا عَمِلَ حَسَنًا when a person does a righteous deed, When a person does a good deed, the good deed sitting next to it says, Me too, me too, I'm next, I'm next. When he does the second one, The second deed next to that says, Me too, my turn. So this person's profit keeps increasing. Al-Hasanat and the good deeds creep, keep increasing. And then he says, Same thing with a sin. You do this sin, like I say, gateway drugs, right? No sin is by itself. Every sin comes with another sin connected to it. And that's why we are so naive when Shaytan goes, Yeah, just do this. Shaytan goes, Just do this, just this one right here. Naturally, we should understand that's a fallacy, that's not going to work. He says it naturally brings the next. Now listen to this. He says, until thought and ma'asi become a, a quality that is deeply embedded inside of you. One after the next, after the next, after the next, until what? He says it becomes who you are. Deeply inside of you. It's either righteous or that sin. It becomes who you are. thabita. In a, in a part of you, intrinsically a part of who you are. Follow, now listen to what he says. If the one who's accustomed to these good deeds all of a sudden stops doing good deeds, he, he or she starts to feel like a constriction inside. They start to feel uncomfortable. Who is this? Who are we talking about? Who's this person? The person who's muhsin has got accustomed to good deeds, 
right? And all of a sudden, he loses the opera or she loses the opportunity for a certain good deed. He says, all of a sudden, that person starts to feel some, like a constricted feeling on the heart, uncomfortable. Something's not sitting right today. It's like, yo, what's up, bro? I don't, I don't know. Something's, something's not right today. Like, you didn't have your coffee? You know what I'm saying? Some of us, yo, what's wrong, bro? You need your coffee? Like, yeah, man. Something's not right. So what he's saying is, as the person keeps doing these hasanat, it becomes such a part of who they are that if one time they leave out that hasanat, they get that agitated feeling and something is not, something's not right. But he says, listen to this. And, and he's just using a metaphor that the earth becomes constrained. Like he's not comfortable. He's not comfortable. Or she's not comfortable. And this person feels this person feels like they're a fish that's out of the water. Like, I gotta get back. I gotta get back to that. I'm missing it. Something's wrong. Until it goes back. So then the person calms down. They become back. Okay, cool. I got it back. And they become relaxed. Now listen to this though. On the opposite. If a person who has become accustomed to sins accustomed to disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by one sin after the next, after the next. And all of a sudden starts to, to please come on in, come on in, yo, we got mad space. Yo, y'all supposed to be welcoming, man. We did the halakha last year, like, who remembers the hadith Rasul Sa'i said that he said, it's haq on a Muslim. What? What did we learn last year? Who remembers this hadith? Close. Like to at least move. To at least move. SubhanAllah. You remember that hadith last year? The Rasul Sallallahu he says, one day the Prophet Sallallahu was sitting in the masjid. I'm just going to digress for a moment because we're supposed to be acting upon what we learn, right? The Rasul Sallallahu was sitting in a gathering. No, he was sitting in the masjid by himself. A sahabi walked in the masjid. The masjid was empty. When the Prophet Sallallahu saw him, he, he, he got up and he adjusted himself. So the, the man said, Ya Rasulullah, fi, fi makan, fi makan. Like, Ya Rasulullah, there's plenty of space. I'm not that big. <laughs> I'm not a big guy. Why are you making space for me? He says, No, haq al-Muslim It's haq on a Muslim that when you see him, at least you move. You ever walk in a class late and don't nobody move? you like, should I be here or not? <laughs> but then somebody moves, you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to come in. So that's the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi So subhanAllah, you know, we have uh, visitors, new people coming to the class. We got to act upon that, inshaAllah ta'ala. Okay, so listen to what he says now. So what is he explaining? He's explaining that the first scenario was what? That a person who does one good deed, the, react, the reaction to that is that that good deed sows the seed for the next good deed and the person continues in that train and likewise is the case with uh, unrighteous, maxia, uh, disobedience of Allah. Now he says, if a person has become accustomed to a disobedience of Allah, and he says, He's like, if a person who is accustomed to disobedience of Allah stops that for a moment and starts to start to do some righteousness, sit in good company, sit in positive environments, he says all of a sudden, he starts to feel this pressure. He, he or she, they start to feel this pressure that like the same feeling of who? The other guy. 
And this is why scholars say, listen, we don't worship feelings. We don't care about feelings. See, this person is feeling that, that tightness because he's not or she's not used to the righteous environment. So they did that right. They're in that environment and they feel this constrained feeling. If they worship feelings, if they act on feelings, they're out. Like, no, I'm out. That was too much. That, I can't. That was too uh, it's hot up in there. Too much Allah and Rasul, yo. <laughs> Gotta dip out. It is kind of hot in there, though. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay, but um, so subhanAllah, like, look what he's saying. This is so interesting to understand the psychology behind these sins and how they act. He says, he says, Hatta in the kathir min al fusak. Listen to what he says. He says, until you see so many people who are open transgress, people who are in the middle of sin. You'll see people that are doing sins, that are accustomed to sin, they will do sins even when they don't get the leza anymore. Let me give an example. Who drinks coffee all the time? I've actually been cutting out, actually. No one else. Okay. You notice how you don't get that feeling anymore? You know what I'm saying? You don't get that same kick. I mean, you guys need something else, another example. I don't know. Huh? Coffee's good. Huh? Sugar. Coffee's good. Soda? Sugar. Coffee's great. Sugar. sugar. I mean, we're so used to sugar now. I mean, I don't feel nothing with sugar. It's just like, whatever. MashaAllah, by the way, the uh, Shai is Mutaz. MashaAllah. Oh, Shai, pass the Shai, please. Are there more cups, please? They, they have cups here. So listen, let's, let's continue. What he's saying, what he's saying here is very interesting. He's explaining what? He says, many people who have become accustomed to fusaq, uh, I mean open transgression, in the deepest of sins, he says, they will continue with the sin even though they're not getting any pleasure from that sin. Why? No, really, pull for it. Except the pain of leaving it. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Now apply that to your righteousness too though. Imagine a person who has become accustomed to righteousness. And you're like, man, I don't get the feeling of tahajjit no more. You know that first day I prayed tahajjit, it was like, oh, I felt like an angel almost. Like I felt like I could just touch people and like, yo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you shake my hand, you'll feel something, right? People are like, yo, there's no difference in you, bro. But you feel that, that first tahajjit, you're like, yo, I am, yo, I'm righteous. But then after you keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it, and I remember one time I went to my teacher, and as a convert, we see it like night and day. The first three weeks, first month, first six months even, every sajda is like jannah. You know what I mean? Like every... Experience and in people who come back to the deen, that's the convert. You come back to the deen in the beginning, you because you're going from zero to 60 pushes you back. But now I'm rolling at 70 miles an hour, I'm not leaning against the seat no more. Am I still moving at 70? Yeah. Exactly. So, what we want is that feeling every time a Tesla, I want to feel that all the time. <laughs> Ramadan, I want to feel that. You know, what I'm saying? you know, Tesla feeling. Okay. You can't. You can try to hold your head and that's gonna work. Right? 
No, do you guys get what I'm saying? We love that feeling of that pushback, that because I feel like I'm moving. But there's a fallacy there. Of course, when you first start off, you're going to get that feeling. And then once you're moving, cool, from 80 to 90 is a lot faster, but you don't feel too much, depending on the car. Okay? But the point I'm trying to say here is he's saying people will continue a sin just because they don't want to apart from it. Similarly, people that are uh, accustomed to good deeds, they'll continue on that path because of just, I'll feel weird if I don't read my Quran today. I'm not getting the feeling I used to get, but I'm going to feel weird if I don't read it. Let me read my Quran today. Do you know what I'm saying? So this is one reason why you want to build that connection with the masjid. You want to build that connection with righteous company because after a while, you'll start to feel that Yo, I'm missing it, yo. I need that, I need that Wednesday halakha, yo. That, that chai, yo. Right? I need that. I'm missing it. You know what I'm saying? Even if you don't feel what you felt the first time you came to the halakha. <laughs> the first time you come to the halakha, you're like, yo, that was lit, yo. It was chill. And after a while, you're like, yeah, I'm used to the shake me, guy, But you're still moving. We're still learning. We're still bettering ourselves. We're still getting close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? But everyone wants the Tesla feeling every time, right? SubhanAllah. Questions, comments on this? Any questions or comments? This is very profound. Hassan, please. Don't hope. Yes, Isa. You guys not got enough cups? Yeah. You sure? Okay, we found more. We have a lot. Okay, okay, alhamdulillah. They got they're good. Questions, comments on this? This is a very important point. Yes. Yeah. So you're talking about she's referring to what was talked about two years, a year and a half ago back, which was edutainment, where we always wanted that thrill to learning Dean, right? We didn't want it to just learn, but we wanted that to be entertained along with learning learning the Dean, and that is a, a problem that we have, right? And and uh, I think it's Neil Postman who writes uh, Amusing Ourselves to Death, talks about the means and the medium and what's being communicated. Um, and that is a problem where we just want that feeling every time. Now don't get me wrong, when you go from zero to 40, 50, 60, you're gonna get that feeling and it will feel great. I'm talking spiritual now, we're not talking about cars. I'm talking spiritual. But the idea is not to worship that feeling. Is everyone with me? The idea is not to worship that feeling. Okay, if it comes, it comes, alhamdulillah. If it doesn't come, I'm still cruising at 60 because I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. For him to him, inshallah, yes. Okay, so you said that not every single time you make that feeling. Yes. But when you leave that um, thing that you're doing, you're, you start to miss it. You start to miss it. Okay, so what if like you're, you're not at the point where you miss it yet, but like you're, you're feeling like dull and it's like not as flavorful as the first time? So like, what do you do to keep yourself motivated? Yeah, I think you... Hmm, that's a good question. So the question is like, I think we all struggle with that. I think we all struggle with it, and that's why the Prophet ﷺ said, al istifama folk al-kirama. Istifama is the main thing we want. Istifama means to be steadfast on something. Um, I, I think when it comes to like working out, the first month of working out, you feel crazy gains, you feel crazy burn, you feel all types, you're like, wow. But then after a while, you plateau. 
And in order to keep increasing, you just got to keep going. Now, you may get that feeling occasionally. And that's why I went to my teacher. I was giving an example. I was like, I don't feel like I felt. He's like, are you doing everything you're supposed to do? I was like, yeah. He's like, cool. Alhamdulillah. You're not going to feel that all the time. That's my point is we're not worshiping feelings. That's the thing we have to get out of. Now, I will say this. In the beginning, Allah will give you that feeling because it's addictive. You like it. Allah will give you that. Right? Allah will give you that. But as you mature, as you mature spiritually, it's like the kid that gets good grades. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, mashallah, a wow for stuff they're supposed to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. After a while, you shouldn't need that wow to do your homework. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? In the beginning, you need that from dad. Same way, Allah gives us that feeling in the beginning. But we don't need that feeling because I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So there's just a consistency you need. But I will say this. Every now and then, you need that inspirational hit. You need that powerful lecture that just makes the hair stand like, oh, man. You need that every now and then. But don't worship it. Don't seek it all the time. Seek consistency. Seek consistency. Okay? Cool. Any other questions, comments? This is beautiful stuff. Yes? What if you actually, because I personally know someone, like when they start praying and stuff, they just feel so empty. They might be happy not praying at all, but the minute they start praying, they feel like depressed or empty. And you're saying, hold on. Hold on, you're saying they're not normally praying a lot, but when they start, they feel that? Yeah. Well, that's what he just said. I think right before you came, what he said in the book was, when a person is not accustomed, when a person, a fish out of water feels uncomfortable. A person accustomed to sin that starts to, sin, to do righteousness and leave sin is going to start feeling that pressure. But you got to persevere through that. You got to persevere. You got to push through that. Till you get to the point where now you feel comfortable in it. And I'm so happy that we're reading this because that's the problem we all face. Like, they just don't feel right. Of course it doesn't feel right. You're not used to it yet. You gotta let yourself get used to it. You gotta know I'm supposed to be here and let myself get used to it. Everyone cool? Alhamdulillah. He says, he says, now, you know, the autos, man, the way they, 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 subhanAllah, give examples. He says, Kama sarah uh, Ibn Hani, Like, out of poetry, always talked about two things. What? Alcohol and women. Or horses. Same exact as pop culture today. Literally, literally hip hop. Literally. So if you read Arabic poetry, oh, not now. This is all they talked about. So he says, he says, uh, he says a poem to give an example. He says, One one glass I drank out of pleasure. The second drink was just to wash that one down. I, I know you're not supposed to really like, like, ooh, wow, that's deep, but <laughs> it's poetry, right? We're not supposed to be like, oh, yo, I'm going to use that one, right? <laughs> no, don't use that. But he's giving an example from Arabic poetry of how one thing follows the next, right? How one thing follows the next, follows the next, follows the next. Okay. <laughs> the next poem is even more explicit. Like, he's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> 
ولا يزال العبد يعاني طاعة ويؤلفها ويحبها ويؤثرها. This is important now. Psychology of good deeds, psychology of sin. A person will continually keep doing good deeds, getting accustomed to good deeds, loving good deeds, until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala يرسل الله سبحانه وتعالى برحمته عليه ملائكة تؤزه إليها أزا At this point, once a person becomes accustomed, that is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now begins to send angels to this person that now start to help that person out specifically. And تؤزه أزا Like encouraging, 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 pushing you forward. And he says وتحرضه عليه and are saying, no, do it, do it, do it, it's good. That will get you up out of your bed. Get up, get up, time for fudge. He says, and similarly, a person will continually be connected to sins. Loving sins, giving preference to sins. Until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends shayateen to this person. Yo, keep going, man. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And he says, فَأَوْلَى He says, فَأَوْلَى قُوَةِ جُنْدِي طَاعَةِ The first one is, is, is the, the army, the backup army for good deeds. The madad, he says. It's madad. There's reinforcements. And he says, فَصَارُوا مِنْ أَكْبَرِ أَعْوَانِهِ And this becomes your biggest help. Those angels helping you. What the second one? It's the reinforcements for evil. Pushing you on, pushing you on, pushing you on, pushing you on. Right? So listen, listen. Practically speaking, that one sin is dangerous, man. Just like that one hit, that one sip, that one look, that one... Experience. Yeah. You're not supposed to finish the sentence. <laughs> that was supposed to be completed in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> that one time is not one time. It's dangerous. Understand that. That's his point here. So you mean? Subhanallah. Man, when I read this, I'm so grateful the scholars have left things like this for us. But I'm also surprised at how much we don't know. I'm also surprised at how much we don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is lost in some book sitting on a shelf somewhere. That's what I needed, you know? SubhanAllah. So we go forward. Chapter 15. The next effect of the sin. He says, and this is the one I fear for most. This is the one I fear for most. He says the next one is that the effect of the sin is slowly, slowly, slowly the heart loses the desire for any good. Slowly the heart loses any desire for any good. And the desire for ma'asiyah starts to rise. 
So you don't even want it anymore. That's dangerous. One thing is like, uh, what's the verse of in sort of uh, uh, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says there are some people who bakhila, they're bakhil with their money, and then they're also istagna. They're like, I don't even need to give it. That one thing is I'm stingy. I'm like, man, I wish I should give some sadaqah. No, I'm good. I'm going to hold on to this. <laughs> Another thing is, man, why does Moshe need my money? What do I get out of that? Oh, you don't even want to do good anymore. The other dude is, is, is light years ahead of you because he wants to do good but just is stingy. You're at the point now where you're like, what do I get out of that? SubhanAllah. So this is what he's saying. He says, he says, He says, as you do more sins, what does shaitan tell us? You got toba, you got toba, you got toba. He says, but the reality is, as you keep doing more, the desire for toba actually drops. And you actually want, you, you don't want to do toba. And he says, subhanAllah, until it's completely taken out. No more. You don't even want to do toba. It's completely taken out. He says, If the person was half dead, he still won't do toba. He's speaking, uh, but he's just trying to say how far it goes. That you slowly, each sin, you lose the tawfiq or the desire to even want to do toba until you've lost that whole desire for toba completely. And then what he says here, he says, but this person will do a lot of um, uh, seeking forgiveness on the tongue. What, just a superficial stop for a while. Stop for a while. Stop for a while. Stop for a while. Right while you're doing it. Stop for a while. Stop for a while. He said the person will do a lot of that. But no toba, toba. Toba is like, Ya Allah. That moment right there. I'm sorry, Ya Allah. And by the way, toba. Yo, we, we think Toba is like, let me go to the masjid, put money in the sadaqah box, go shake the imam's hand, go sit next to the mihrab. No, Toba, right now, in the depths of your heart, Toba. Toba. Toba to nasuha, true Toba. Nothing needs to happen. Externally, you look the same. But internally, you got up, everything was forgiven. Everything was forgiven. So he says, Azim ala, he says, this person is doing a lot of istighfar, stafar, 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 on the tongue. But the person is already thinking about the next time he's going to do the sin. Already planning for it. Now, now, let me correct something here. And we talked about this before, so I'm going to ask someone from, from the halakha to answer the question. If shaitan tells you, why do toba now? When you're going to do this sin tomorrow. Some of us are in certain sins, I can't get out. Even I listen to the lecture, everything, I can't get out of it. So Shaitan's like, bro, who you fooling? You're going to be there tomorrow. You got to be there tomorrow. Don't do Toba. What's the answer to this? MashaAllah, I sense. Who said you live until tomorrow? Shaitan did. Did Allah send your promise tomorrow? Nope. Nope. That's the fallacy. Shaitan's playing. All you gotta do is do Toba today. You're not responsible for tomorrow. Tomorrow didn't come yet. Do Toba tonight. I don't even know if I'm alive tomorrow. 
I don't even know if I'm alive tomorrow. Who told me tonight? Tomorrow comes, I get stuck again. Guess what? I'm doing Toba again, Shaykhan. Sincere, real Toba, real. Ya Allah, I want out. I want out. Toba again. But don't fall into that deception of Shaykhan that tomorrow you're going to have to do it again. And you know what? This also goes for good deeds. You ever think to yourself, man, I got to pray Fajr for the rest of my life? <laughs> like, you start to hudge it, you're like, for the rest of my life to hudge it? Wow, nah, I'm <laughs> The nuts doesn't like very long things. So the way we work psychologically is we, we give small dosages of things. We, we tell you, don't think about the long run. Just get through tomorrow. Good deeds are the same way. You don't accept Islam like, hey, for the rest of your life, you're going to be praying five times a day. Like, uh, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> but you're like, yo, just one day at a time. Just, just today. And when tomorrow comes, like, just today. And the next day comes, just today. And in reality, it's not a joke. It is just today. Because I don't know about tomorrow. So good deeds the same way. Don't get this stress that I got 20 years of whatever ahead of me. No, you don't. You don't know that. You have tomorrow to be good. You have tomorrow to obey Allah. And that's it. Okay? Hey. Can't you say there's that fallacy from Shaytan as well where you don't have to do good today, tomorrow's guaranteed. Right? Exactly. SubhanAllah. Today, just SubhanAllah. You'll, you'll get your the whole thing is the axe, right? Yeah. The same way he used the same like fallacy of logic uh, is used on both sides. SubhanAllah. Everyone got that? Everyone got that, right? SubhanAllah. Okay. Should we keep going? Yeah. Like, I came in the rain. You better keep going. All right. <laughs> 16. Right? Uh, no. Yeah, 16. Chapter 16. Oh, SubhanAllah. Waminha. Next effect of sin. Annahu yansalihu min al qalbi. As you commit the sin, what's taken away from your heart is a hatred for the sin. You become desensitized. It doesn't look so bad anymore. You, 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 start, you stop hating the sin. You stop hating the sin. It becomes adi. It becomes adi. It becomes nothing normal. The hint. But I estakbih min nafsihi You don't even feel bad about people seeing you do it anymore. Now I want to talk about this for a moment, because Islam is a family-based and a communal-based religion, and part of that is I'm a part of the fam. I have a family name. I'm a part of the community. I'm a part of something greater than me. And that being a part of a family also necessitated that I didn't like people to see me in an unhonorable way. So people had honor. I'm talking 1960s America. People had honor because I'm a Smith. And you know, us Smiths are known around town. I'm a such and such. Because, because the family was so important that I didn't want to look bad because I didn't want to ruin something greater than me. But in the age of individualism, when you're cut off from the family, who cares about the fam? Do you. It's all about you. 
then what do I care what people think about me? I'm my only judge. Who can judge me? Who do I have to worry about how they look at me? Dress how I want to dress. No matter what anyone says. You see how, how different time is? Like there was a time you cared about your father's name because you were a part of that. Whereas today it's like, I don't have to worry about what other people think about me. Whether it be family members, community members, no one. What he says, and this is the thing, in a righteous society, in a, in a, in a righteous society, we conform to that because we, even if I want to do a sin, I'm going to hold back because I don't want people to look negatively upon me. Do you understand what I'm saying about this? I don't want people to look, and these are people whose criticism I value, by the way. First, this is very important. I'm not talking about people who's, who have no say. You know, what do I care about what you think about me? There are unjustified critiques, but there are people who we value them, and we value their acceptance of us. And what they think about us should matter to us. You know what I'm saying? What my mom likes and doesn't like matters to me. If she says, you know, don't wear short sleeves in the halakha, I'm like, I ain't wearing short sleeves next time. That's that for me. Right? So I was rocking short sleeves last time. Like, Shay shouldn't be rocking short sleeves. So I was like, all right, cool. All right. <laughs> right? So family says certain things, and you're like, all right, cool. I want to look good to my family. So he says what happens with the sins is you start to not even dislike the sin, and you stop caring what anyone thinks about you. That's why the first thing you hear people say, only Allah can judge me. What? Really? Is that where we're at now? Is that the level we're at? That you don't care about what no one says? No one has value anymore? So we have this concept of shame, a justified shame before angels. You should have shame before the angels. You should have shame before people you respect in the community. You see, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you fix up a bit, right? Because Amu has waqar. He has, you respect his opinion. So, hey, there's other types of shame, though, that are not justified. Like racial or for things that have no moral value to it. You know what I'm saying? Do you understand what I mean by that? Like, I'm not ashamed that I'm not making six figures. I'm not ashamed. You can't shame me because I don't have a lot of wealth. Because I don't give value to that. You can only shame me in what I value. And I value righteousness. So I'm ashamed when I don't hold up to that, that righteousness. You understand? That's the key right there. I don't value wealth. So you can't shame me through that. I value righteousness. So that will put me to shame. Because it's my value system. Look, when I'm in a community with me and Hassan, <coughs> and me and him share the same values, if he sees something not right, and he brings that out to light, He's representing shared values. Everyone with me on this one or no? Okay, cool. This is very important to understand because you have the you empower who you allow to shame you, and I feel we 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 empower the wrong people for their value systems, for for their value systems to make me feel ashamed. And the people who we should feel ashamed around are those who we share the same moral value system. Everyone feel me on this? Okay, this is heavy. This is heavy. So there's no, I don't say, oh, it's between me and Allah. No. I have a community I'm a part of that I share values with. 
And if they point out a wrong, call a spade a spade, I'm going to hang my head low because I did something wrong. And I'm going to be ashamed. And that's human and that's beautiful. I'm going to hang my head low before the angels that the angels saw me doing that. Allah saw me doing that. I'm ashamed. Right? Yes. There's no shame. There won't be. So this would check you on if all your values match. Of course, of course, agreed, hundred percent. She's saying if your crew is like you, they're not going to call you out. If anything, if anything, if you start doing good, they'll call you out. Yes, yes, of course. You are not fulfilling the value system of that clique. There was a point after I converted where I had to tell my crew, like, yo, I'm out, y'all. And they were like, I feel you. <laughs> this ain't working. <laughs> but we trying to, like, light up right now, and you keep, like, saying the Prophet Muhammad. <laughs> we love you, though, but... I'm serious. I'm not even joking. There was a point. It was just like we both understood, like... You know what I mean? So, 100%. The same as you. But if, what is my value? Well, I mean, our, our, our prophet and the deen is our value system. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah, exactly. Right? I'm, you with me? I guess what she's trying to say is like, please come all, all the way in, all the way in, all the way in. We are self, we're not perfect. We are self, we're flawed, so we're trying to get better. So then, we got, we got to have no, a solution for the yeah, yeah, okay, so that is, so I, I don't know if that's what you're saying, but obviously the company we're with, the value systems, if there's... Nobody cares their values on your forehead. Oh, no, 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 but you know once you're chilling with people, right? You know what the company you keep, the values that they have, and you know who you feel comfortable with, too. And most of the time, birds of a feather, there it is. <laughs> So uh, the judge of who you are, Imam Ghazali says, if you want to judge who you are, if you want to judge you, look at your crew. Mm -hmm. They are an image, a mirror of you. Your crew is you. They only hang with you because you got the same values. Yes? Can we like, keep the questions to the end? All right. So I, I just want to learn. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I got you. Cool, 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 cool. All right. So, so look what he says. SubhanAllah. This is beautiful. He says... So what happens as an effect of the sin? You, you lose this sense of the ugliness of the sin is gone. And, and, and until You don't even care if people see you in that sin and you don't even care if they talk about you about that sin. You don't care. He says, and when you really get in the sin, you'll start to take pride in it. So we've went to the complete opposite. That when you truly get into the sin and you're deep in that sin, not only will you not think it's bad, not only will you not care that people think you're doing something bad, but you'll get to the point where you start to take pride in the very sin. Subhanallah. And this, now when you reach that level, you've reached a, a tipping point. Because the Prophet Sallallahu said in a hadith, Kullu ummati mu'afi illa al-mujahirun. The Prophet ﷺ said, all of my ummah will be forgiven except for mujahirun. Now they said, well, what's a mujahirun? 
The Prophet ﷺ said, Mujahir is the one who in the middle of the night does a sin and Allah covers you up. And the person wakes up in the morning, is like, yo, you know what happened last night? Oh, it was lit. <laughs> and it's like, that's Mujahir. Prophet ﷺ said, the whole ummah is forgiven, except that person. Allah covered you. Nobody saw you. But you got up in the morning posting it on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. SubhanAllah. That's heavy. Now, we really got to talk about this one. Because why is this such a destructive vice? Why would the Prophet ﷺ teach us that the whole ummah is forgiven except the person who posts their sins on Snapchat, Facebook, whatever, whatever, whatever? You normalize sin. You normalize things that are destructive for people's soul. You make it normal. Because you want to feel good. Right? So you feel bad. So I'm just post it. So I can get other people who are doing the same sin, tagging and liking. You know what I'm saying? Tagging and like, you go girl. <laughs> Represent. Yeah. You just wanted you just wanted someone to support what you what you're going through. Validation. That's what I was looking for. That's the word I was trying to get, but it wasn't coming. Yes, you just want validation. So that's dangerous. If you do the sin, just keep it low key. Keep it low key. Share your your, your dinner or something. Like share that. Huh? People share their pictures. Share food, but don't share that. Like hide that. Keep that low key. Okay. Wasn't there a story with Prophet Musa where a lady came to him and I'm not sure if it's authentic or not. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Um, she comes to him and she tells him that I had I, I had a son and a daughter and I raised them apart and they eventually with her knowing ended up marrying. Oh, no, I never heard of that. Okay. Allah Adam. Okay, next one. Uh, chapter number uh, 17. Wait, Sheikh? Yes. A quick question? <clears throat> yeah, go ahead. Okay, with the thing that you just said, is it only if you know it's a sin? So, yeah, for instance, like if know. you're going through a hard time and you start doing bad things that you think are, like, you know what I mean? Like some Yeah, people... so that's where the community has, the, has to kind of pull your coattail and private message you. Like, yo, I don't think you should be sharing that because... You know, that's not... So if a person truly doesn't know, they don't know. Right? But I think for many of us, we kind of know what I shouldn't be sharing and what I should be sharing. But if the person doesn't know, they don't know. And it's that point of not making them feel guilty for sharing that, though, right? It's so that's why it's a private message. Yeah. Like, you got to be tactful with this. Yeah. Facebook and Instagram people are like keyboard warriors and not tactful. And even in private messages. Though, right? Yeah, even then, you still got to be tactful. Well, they have to, you have to correct it smoothly. That's yeah. it. You got to be very, it's not just, hey, yo, what you doing? Like, whatever, whatever. You got to, I wouldn't even maybe even go on, if you could literally go to the person and talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Okay, so I was going to ask, um, like, when, we, when we're going to go to these people and we're going to give Nelsie Holly, even if we are sort of tight, not really, um, but, Okay, first of all, it all goes back to like our circle. We want our circle to be people who have the same morals as us. Yes. So like these people, let's say we are people, inshallah, with good morals. Yes. We want to give nasihat to people who are like, you know, struggling. 
that are not from our circle, how would you best go about it? Like you just, like you were saying, you this is two different, we, 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 we conflated a few different discussions here. The first thing first as we learn all this information is who are we learning this for first and foremost? Ourselves. Ourselves. So the lesson for us is that we ourselves need to understand the effect of sin is that you start to not feel that the sin is evil. That you start to be desensitized to the sin naturally because you're doing it. And whatever comes from you don't stink, right? So you start to justify it, okay? Then the next effect of that is you don't care what people say about it and your company will change because of that. <laughs> because you, your, your crew will be people who represent your value system. Cool. That's all on the side. Now, um, when it comes to publicizing, once you reach that point, you'll begin to publicize the sins that you do. Once you start, once you start publicizing the sin... Um, this is mujahid, and this falls into a category of breaking down the moral fabric of our society by normalizing sin, which is very detrimental to our the ethos of our community. Cool. Done. So for us ourselves, we need to understand the effect of mujahid, or open, opening up the sin that Allah covered from you. If it's covered, leave it covered. Okay? The next thing is that we see things that are publicized. That's a whole different halakha, guys. That's a whole different halakha. Like, we were learning this just for us. What do we do with this knowledge? Now we see someone publicizing a sin. Now what do we do as a result of that? That comes to what we talked about. Remember last year, we had a like kind of funny halakha about uh, uh, haram police licenses? Yeah. You're like, you got to get a license to be haram police. You don't just get a badge for no reason. Remember that? Remember that? Was, right? So there's ways to to learn how to correct things. And you need to go through a system of learning how to correct wrongs before you just get out there correcting. And I'll just give one advice for this. You have to love the person more than you love anything else in that situation. More than you love the correcting of the wrong, you gotta love the person. If you truly love the person, you'll be smooth to correct that thing. You'll take time, you'll take, you'll be very tactful about because your goal is change. Not just transmission. Hey, you know what's wrong, right? You know what? All right, between you and Allah, no. No, if you truly. So love is the key, key thing. You need to love the person. If you don't love someone, stop trying to correct people. Just stop. You're going to mess up more, then you're going to correct. All right? That's a different halakha, though. That's a different halakha. That's a different halakha. You feel me? Yes. So, um, uh, at what point can you share a sin that you have? So that's a good one. The Sahaba used to sit and talk about the days of Jahiliyyah and laugh about it, and the Prophet would sit and smile. They used to talk about Jahiliyyah and say, like, man, remember we were doing all that crazy stuff? Wow, Allah, alhamdulillah. As like a, a reminder of how much Allah brought us along the way. You know what I'm saying? Others were struggling. Yes, of course. Other people who are going through the same thing, like sister, I was out there, right? Like, now that's not. You're not normalizing a sin. But that's not mujahara. I don't think that's mujahara, inshallah. Yeah. Especially if it was in a time of jahiliyyah and your intention is different. I don't think that's mujahara. I think mujahara is the person that did the sin and boastfully the next morning is like, yo, guess what happened last night? Okay, inshallah. <clears throat> 
Okay, the next one. Um, okay, um, just because of time. Oh, oh, yes, I wanted to share this actually. I'm sorry. Same one before we go to the next one. Um, there's a hadith that the Prophet ﷺ, he said, that the fittens and the, the as see we live in, in a time when there's a lot of fitness it's very hard to tell what's correct what's messed up you know so much going on the Prophet ﷺ, he said that the fittens will be um, introduced the fitness trials and unclear things will be introduced to the hearts and the Prophet ﷺ said whatever heart drinks from the fitna takes from it that heart will become, start becoming black until it's sealed. And whatever heart rejects that, pushes away, will become, will become a strong heart. Then the Prophet Sallallahu said, until people become of two types of hearts. Pure white shining hearts and dark sealed hearts. Just two types, that's it. But how does it happen? As the fitnas are coming, somebody say, no, I'm good, bro. I'm good, one fitna at a time. Now another hadith which is interesting is that the Prophet ﷺ in another hadith said, whoever sees, is not present, but sees a wrong and hates it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, will reward that person as if they weren't even present. And the person that's not present hears about a wrong but likes it, Allah will reward that person as if they were present at that sin. You, you know what I'm saying? Like something going down, like, dang, I missed it? I missed it? Dang. Allah will reward you, you're there. You're, you're with him, you're there. You got the reward for that. And I'm saying I missed it on both ways. Whatever, you weren't there. If you were there and you hated it, Allah absents you from that. Not even on your record, you weren't there. Because you saw it go down, you're like, stuff for Allah. Mm -mm, this ain't cool. You couldn't do nothing. We were too miskeen. I couldn't do nothing. But in my heart, I was like, no, this is not right. We are at a time, guys, where you just got to protect your heart. Even if you can't speak up, you just got to be like, yo, that's wrong right there. I know this thing, this don't feel right. I know this is wrong. That's the age we're at right now. Just protect the heart. You may not be able to say anything. You may not be able to do anything about it. But protect the heart so the heart keeps sin as sin. And righteousness is righteousness. Okay, so I just want to share share that. Okay, inshallah. Okay. Um, 8.42. Um, so we're reaching an hour right now, inshallah. Um, I think we should stop at this point, inshallah. Um, yeah, there's a lot more, alhamdulillah. But it's been a long class. Um, so I think we could stop here. Um... Any other questions? Yes. Uh, so, you know, when I found Islam, they taught me that if you teach someone good and they do that good, yes. you inherit the, the good deed for that until you, you know, continue. Yes. So similarly, you're talking about boasting about a sin. If you're out there boasting about it, you encourage others to yes. do this sin. And if you pass away, another person continues this sin because they were encouraged by you. You give that person sin. Yes, there's a, there's a hadith that talks about Cain slew Abel, right? He's the first one to do murder. He gets the reward for every murder that happens after. You gotta be very careful about, that's why we live, social media can destroy you, yo. To be real with y'all, I know this is on social media right now, 
I don't have social media. I literally, before the class, I download the app. After the class, I just I turn off the app. I'm not on it. I'm not on it. It gives me a headache. It stresses me out. All of that. And it's no benefit. I have so much more time with the people around me. So, like, we live in an age where we just post it. We, the prophesy, some said there'll come a time when a person can say a lie, and within seconds, it reaches the horizon. SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah. Is that not this right here? One post. Bam. Whole world just saw it. Nah, we don't even know the reality. We just are reading it. <laughs> can't, I can't even verify. I don't even know who to call. <laughs> I did that in the Halifax, Maryland. I was like, I was all into it. I was like, well, who are you going to call? The whole, it was all you. They're like, Ghostbusters. I was like, uh, young college dude. I miss the guys in Maryland. Man. Any questions? Yo, this was a heavy lesson today. There's a lot of stuff we really got to reflect on. That's why I didn't want to just keep going through it fast. Like, we got to really reflect on what we covered today and, 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 and realize, like, what he was saying, man, in the beginning. Some of you guys uh, came late, you missed it. But he was talking about that one sin is not one sin, man. That one sin is, has collateral damage, man. Right? And we went over it. I'm not going to reiterate everything, but that's it. Sure. I think it was a like um, first really powerful, um, especially in this day and age, talking about we don't worship feelings. Oh yes, dealing with youth, um, a lot of youth, what they do, unfortunately, is that oh, this makes me feel good. How could it be so wrong if it makes me feel so good? Yeah, right? like you, you legit are happy because you're doing that thing. So if God loves me, why would He make me happy? You know. Doesn't he want my happiness? So if I'm happy, how can that thing be wrong? Yeah. I get, you know what I'm saying? Like, I yes, get that a lot, yes. like, psychologically. Yeah, and that's, that part, those who came late, that was a heavy part of the book, where just because, like she said, you're used to some sin, you jump in that righteous environment, you feel uncomfortable. Right. That's natural. But you should now psychologically understand, wait, it's natural that I would feel uncomfortable here because mm. I'm not used to this environment. Mm. But this is good for me. Right. You know what so I'm saying? So consistently doing that thing, even though it makes you uncomfortable, will get you to the point where you need to get But to. so so we'll get so so when you first go to the gym, you're uncomfortable. Right. Once then you feel the acceleration. You get past the you get past the uncomfortable feeling and then you start feeling good. Mm-hmm. Quick. You start feeling the differences, you feel the gains, gains is coming like this. Mm-hmm. Then you plateau. That's what Sada was asking about. Because plateauing, you start to feel like I'm not moving anymore. That's and now that's when you gotta say no. That's a fallacy. You're still moving. Go talk to someone. You know, you get you need a network. Right. Right? Yes. Um actually just on that point, you are moving on the set at the set now there. But this if you feel that plateau, is is that like a thing that should inspire you more? No. Because because you don't feel the car accelerating anymore, the car is still moving. Mm-hmm. Would you recommend you keep you it up? If you feel like you're about to stop the car because you felt that it's not moving, then perhaps you need that that boost again. But if you come and talk to someone and they, they should be able to explain that, wait, are you praying? Are you doing dhikr? Are you reading Quran? Are you honoring your mother? Are you on just checklist? Yeah, I'm doing that. Okay, you good. You good. You know what I'm saying? Now, if there's a there, if there's something there though, if there's something there, then you gotta wait. Wait, maybe there's something I'm doing. I gotta analyze. But if I'm doing everything, 
Yes. And that's another thing with a lot of people who just come here and they feel all the like, okay, I'm gonna go home and do good. It it comes steps, you know. Basically. Yeah. Sometimes what we do is we go home and we're like, tonight I'm praying Asha, and then I'm waking up for PM, and then I'm gonna make sure I keep up my twelve. Yeah. And, and by and by Tuesday you're done. You're you can't. So. <laughs> Not even Tuesday, know, right? That, that's Friday. Always, yeah. So always to start with the part or. That's what I'm saying. They right. yo thought right now. Thought and sins. Thought and ridded myself of sins. That's all I'm trying to do. Right? Okay, you know one I'm gonna end with this show. You know one scholar gave the example? He's like, if you turn the AC on and just close the window, even if the AC is on low, it's gonna cool off. But if the window is open and hot air is coming in, it's never gonna cool off. He said same way with sins. Right? You don't need a lot of good deeds. You just need to close the windows, man. Just need to close. Just close the windows. If you close the windows and since hot air ain't coming in, it's gonna cool off in the car. You know what I'm saying? We like to blast the AC and open the windows up. I'm doing everything and nothing's happening. Right? Yes. I'm getting old and it's hard for me to drive at night. Yo, yo, we got to do. You're right. You're right. I feel you. Subhanallah, Allahumma bihamdi. Let's make a dua. Huh? Just kidding. So what do you mean? Uh -huh. oh. <laughs> we are like the eldest in this gathering right now. So okay. I, did you have, you got to, okay. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I affirmed or validated your oldness. Yes. My bad, yo. I didn't even mean to do that. My bad. All right. Let's let's make a quick dua, inshallah, and then we'll pray our salat to Isha. Bismillah we ask you, Ya Allah, to accept our gathering here today, Ya Ya Rabbil Alameen, and make it a means for us to become more righteous and pleasing you, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah, we ask you to clean our hearts, Ya Rabbil Alameen, and forgive us for all of our sins, Ya Allah. Forgive us for every time we turned away from you, Ya Allah, and make this night a means for us to turn and change our ways and become close to you, Ya, ya Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah, we ask you to give us your love, give us the love of those who love you, and give us the love of those actions that will gain your love. Wa da'wana anil hamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen.